Welcome to the Creative Bee Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Anderson, and today I have a question for you. The question is, what do you see? The Created to Be podcast is focused on helping you discover your God-given talent, ability, and purpose in life. It asks the question, what were you created to be? And through this discovery process, we look for that answer. All right, so today we got a question, what do you see? This was generated, this question, this topic was generated to me through one of the parables that Jesus gives us in in Luke. Now, understand that when we start looking at things in the Bible, there is the contextual meaning, which is by far the most important, okay? If we read something, we must keep it in context. A good way to make sure you're in context is what they call 2020 vision. Uh, read 20 verses before and 20 verses after, and that'll help you keep the verse in context. There's so many instances out there where people will quote a verse, and the verse sounds great, and it may be very fitting for whatever they're talking about or trying to you know, push whatever uh, topic or agenda they're trying to push. You can make the Bible fit almost anything. However, it's pulled out of context. There's many cases of this and almost every single, if not not almost, but every single cult out there has done just that. They've taken a verse or two, taken it out of context so that it would fit what they're trying to push. And then they say, hey, it's biblical. Look at what this says. So we want to be very careful that when we take things out of the Bible, that we are properly uh, applying them in the correct way context, especially when it comes to major doctrinal issues. There is, on the other hand, what I call the uh, principle, okay? And so you can take the idea, contextually, it may be speaking about a specific event, time, place, culture, whatever it may be, but you can take the principle and still apply it to a situation within your life. That's what I'm going to look at today, especially when you look at the parables, because when you look at the parables, it's a heavenly truth given to us through an earthly example. And we can't take that as literal context because the things in heaven are way far above and beyond anything that we could um, experience here on earth. In fact, these things that we have here on earth are, are merely just glimpses or little tiny snippets of what we may find in heaven. In fact, heaven, I think, is so far vast and so far, you know, superior to any of our understanding that there's no way we can even uh, begin to understand. That was one of the problems that the the prophets in the Old Testament had. Uh, They were given visions of things that were come, but they didn't know the upcoming technology. They haven't experienced it. They haven't lived it. I mean, imagine being someone even in the old west or in medieval times trying to explain a helicopter or something like that it's just very uh, very very difficult if you don't have something to relate that to and so when we're looking at these parables we understand that there is a contextual meaning behind them and there's also the principle but there's something here that i find very interesting in the parable of the unjust steward found in luke chapter 16 and so we get to verse 8 and i don't want to spend too much time on this because i really want to get to the the meat of of the question what are you seeing but he says in verse 8 so the master commended the unjust steward now right there it's kind of interesting because you have Obviously, the topic or the people here is an unjust steward, an unfair steward, manager. And the master says, hey, good job. Good job, you unfair, unjust person. That's kind of crazy. So what is he commending him for? He is commending because he dealt shrewdly. That's an interesting word, shrewdly. In fact, when you read that, it kind of has a negative tone to it. You know, it sounds shrewd. It sounds suspicious. It sounds crooked. But when you look at the actual Greek word of it, it just simply means wise. And so he commends this unjust steward because of his wisdom, because he was wise. So he's commending 
wisdom. He's commending wisdom. And then here's the scary part. Here's the dangerous part. It's something that we are at today. This is where we are today, especially with the church, unfortunately. But he says this, for the sons of this world are more shrewd, more wise in their generation than the sons of light. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Jesus says that the sons of the world, the people of the world, are wiser than the people of God. That's crazy. But you know what? Look around you. Isn't that the truth? And so that leads the question, well, what's the problem? Why are, why are we so complacent? Why are we so um, unwise? And I believe it comes down to our complacency, our lack of vision, for people perish with a lack of vision, and they've closed their eyes, and they stop seeing. You know, we live in a world today where we got all kinds of things going on. We got all kinds of political issues. We got all kinds of um, things going on around the world with, you know, Russia and China and Ukraine and the European Union. And, and we've got all kinds of things going on within our own country. Uh, man, it is, it is chaos, isn't it? There is chaos. But that's what God did in the beginning. He, he brought order to chaos. And that's what we have to do with our life. And the only way we can do that is by observing. And so today, with that question, what do you see? We're going to talk about the art of observation. Through my memory training here, um, it's really kind of renewed, awakened, shown me the importance of the art of observation. And it's important for us to be aware of this and to enhance this skill in our life, whether it has to do with physical, mental, or spiritual. When we read the Bible, especially, we need to be a student of observation. We need to be an observer. In fact, we'll start off with this because in the Old Testament, we have this phrase that God asks. Um, I found four verses, four references of them, and, that, and that's plenty. But in Jeremiah 1.11, in Amos 7.8, Zechariah 4.2, Ezekiel 8.6, God asks each of these individuals, what do you see? What do you see? So he gives them a vision, and he says, what do you see in the vision? He's asking them a question. Did you, did you observe? And if you observed, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? What's going on? What's, what are you seeing here? And that's a great question for us. What are we seeing? In context of what's going on in the world, in context of what's going on through the Word of God, in context of what's going on with our own bodies, in context what's going on with the situations around us, the people we're surrounded with, Context, you can even say, are you being observant of, of the person you're talking to? Are you observing the, the scenario, the situation? We did a, a class this weekend, last weekend, on you know, a handgun, a concealed carry permit class that I did with my family. And one of the things that they taught us was, hey, are you observing for those pre-assault indicators, things that people do? these indicators, there's always an indicator. And if you're not looking, if you're not watching, you're going to miss it. It's almost as if God is asking you, hey, what do you see here? What do you see? What's going on? You're in a scenario and somebody's acting a little weird. And it's like, hey, what, 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 what do you see? What's going on? Is that person, you know, combing their hair, grooming themselves? Is that person, you know, puffing up? Is that person trying to clear their garment in case they've, you know, getting ready to draw their weapon? Are they clenching their fists? You know, if we start looking for these things, huh, 
when we're asked the question, what do we see? We can say, oh, I see this. And I see that. And we become a, a student of observation. A student of observation. So in Hosea 4, 9, he asks that question again. It's the, the, end, of the, the end of the little letter there, the little book of Hosea. And it's got great insight. Because in 4.9, this question is asked, who is wise? Oh, remember? Remember back in Luke? The prudent, the wise? Who is prudent? Same, same word. Let him understand these. Then he does say, who is prudent? Let him know, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. We could go on a whole verse study of just that right there. With that gives a lot of explanation of why people get so tripped up and non-believers get so angry with the word of God because transgression stumble, they stumble at the word of God. Stumbles, it trips them up. But who is wise? Let him understand these things. And that's what God is telling us. He's saying, hey, who is wise? Now, all right, here we go. Get on a tangent here. Get on a hobby horse. Personal responsibility is at an all-time low. And it's getting worse. Personal responsibility is at an all-time low. Last week, I asked the question, why not you? Do you have an excuse? Do you lack the want to? Guess what? All of that boils back to personal responsibility. You see, people want results. They want benefits. They want all the perks of life at no personal cost. Nobody wants to put in the effort. Everybody wants instantaneous success. Someone straight out of school wants a job that pays, you know, six digits, right? Hey, I deserve this. I went to college or whatever. I, I did the education. So therefore, right out of the gate, I deserve. It's one of the struggles we have in our society today, especially with, with younger folks. And, and truth be known that we all went through this. We were all at that same age. We were all 20s and we all <laughs> wrestled with this ourselves, right? In the electrical field, the dumbest person in the world is the first-year journeyman, they say. After five years of an apprenticeship, you become a journeyman. You get your license, and then all of a sudden you are, you think you're the smartest thing in the world, but actually that's when you get in the most trouble. It goes back to that whole you know, incompetence versus competence, and then you've got the unconscious incompetence and then all of a sudden you realize oh i really don't know what i thought so you fix it but people want the results without the personal cost i mean we're the microwave generation and now even the microwave isn't quick enough you want to cook something pop it in the microwave and that three minutes it takes to cook whatever is like man i wish this should be done in 30 seconds the other day we did some baked potatoes in the oven and, you know, the old-fashioned way, if you will. And we're like, man, this is going to take forever. You could, you could cook a potato in like three minutes in the microwave. Takes like an hour in the oven. But you lose so much, don't you? Kill all the nutrients, kill everything in the microwave. So even the, the, the speed factor comes at a cost. Pay now or pay later. You've heard me say that a few times. And, and maybe you've had some time to process this, but you're always going to pay. There's a cost to everything. Usually it's cheaper if you pay up front. If you pay now, it's cheaper. And this goes with physical fitness. This goes with spiritual fitness. This goes with mental fitness. This goes with anything. Put the time in. That's a cost. 
Therefore, the benefits will come. But I have to pay now. And if I don't pay now, and I jump to the front of the line, everybody wants to be at the front of the line. So imagine this, right? There's a huge line. And you're like, I got to get to the front. And, and you fight, and you run, and you push, and you, you step on people, and you do whatever you can to get to the front. And then you realize this line was to, a, to an executioner. And you just rush to your own fate. Someone's going to pay. And that's one of the struggles that we have within society today because that's what's being preached to us. That's what's being given to us through, through the world is, you know, the undeserving. They deserve. And the rich who have worked hard or whatever, they have to pay for the people who haven't done their part. And there's going to be a cost to that as well. We have to refuse to be average. I've been saying that for a long time. Refuse to be average because the average person wants instant results and benefits without the hard work. The average person is distracted. The average person is too busy about looking for things of, of pleasure and comfort and for things that, that they deserve. But remember, there's a cost to that. You have to refuse to be average. You have to refuse. So going back to the question of what do you see, where do you see your life now? Do you realize that where you are today is dependent or a result of where you are today is a result of what you saw in the past? So where I am today is a result of what I was seeing in the past. Therefore, where I'm going in the future is dependent on what I'm seeing now. And so if I want to be somewhere down the road, my vision, what I'm focusing on, what I'm looking at is dependent on what I'm looking at right now. If what I saw in the past is a result of where I am today, that means that where I want to be is a result of what I'm seeing right now. So you have to decide to take responsibility and choose to be a master of observation right now. Where are you? What's going on in your life? What do you see that's not working? So many people, whether it's spiritual, physical, or mental, and all of these are, are interwoven. They're interwoven. Okay? That's what makes us the balanced person. They're, they're interwoven. Some people say, hey, I'm going to be balanced with finances. And I'm going to be, and you can, you can create a long list of things to put on, that, on those scales. But it really boils down to three things. Right? We don't need to get cumbersome about it. Balanced in finances. Balanced in my marriage. Balanced in my relationship with this. Balanced with my job. Balanced with my... I mean, you could, you could add to that list all the time. But if you take that garden principle, and if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to that. Get the understanding of what it means to tend and keep your garden. Define what those gardens are. And then the complete person boils down to three things physical, mental, and spiritual. And that, by the way, is the image of God. We are made in his likeness, in his image. And that's it. The mind, the, the spiritual, and the physical. It's all there. And that's even shown and demonstrated in the Trinity through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we don't, gotta, we don't need to get cumbersome about all those things. All of those things are result of the core, physical, mental, spiritual. So no matter what area this is, someone will always come to me and say, 
hey, I want to improve this. Okay, great. What does that look like? Have you, have you observed it? So let's just take, um, we could take any one of the topics. Let's just take physical. That's something that most people can easily relate to. I want to lose so much pounds. I want to get into shape. Whatever the question is. Okay, so where are you at? Where are you at now? Where are you at? What are you doing? Are you observing? Are you listening to yourself? Have you have you examined, right? Well, I'm overweight. Okay, so how'd you get there? Are you observing what you're eating? Are you observing on your your activity? Oh, see, once we observe, once we see, then we can recognize, then we can take personal responsibility, and then we can fix it. We can decide to change it. But that's where the hard work becomes, right? Because remember what I said. We want the results. Hey, I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose whatever. I want to be able to go do something, race, whatever, lift something, whatever it is. But they don't want the personal responsibility. In order to get there, I'm going to have to cut some stuff out. You've got to cut out whatever has gotten me to the place I'm at now. And then there's a personal cost to get those results. I'm going to put in some effort. And that ties back to last week's episode of, well, I've got these excuses. I've, I lack the want to. So we have to get rid of those things. But you have to observe those things. You have to see those. You have to recognize those in your life. Then you decide and take responsibility and take action. But listen, until you get to the point in your life where you decide to take responsibility and choose to master the art of observation within yourself, you will continue to live a mediocre life for the rest of your life. That's it. You'll continue to be the same old, same old. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Spiritually speaking, if you don't grow, if you don't continue to grow and develop that relationship, and if you're not a student of observation with the times and the seasons and the things that are going on in the world around us, guess what's going to happen? The Lord says he's going to come like a thief in the night. The only reason someone can approach you as a thief and sneak up on you is when you're unaware. But if I'm watching, if I'm looking, there's no sneaking up on me. I see you. I see it. So we have to, have to, we have to start observing, knowing where to look knowing how to look, and then knowing what to look for. And listen to me, this takes conscious and deliberate, focused effort. We have to do that. This is a lost art. We play this game sometimes. <laughs> More times than not, it just ends up being me playing the game. Walk into a place where there's other people maybe someone has a name tag on maybe they don't maybe on your way to your table if you're at a restaurant you you're observing other people we just did this last week and i i asked my family i says hey there was a little girl sitting at this at a booth on our way here she was wearing a football jersey which team was it nobody knew there was a soldier sitting in a booth with his family. What was his rank? Nobody knew. Guys, see, this is, this is observation. That's a wonderful skill that you can start right now. You walk away from the person that was helping you at the checkout stand. If they had a name tag, what was her name? What were they wearing? What color were their shoes? Did they have jewelry on? What color were their eyes? This starts the observation process. 
I tell my self-defense students this all the time. I says, when you're driving down the road, see if out of your peripheral vision, see if you can tell what the person in the car next to you is doing. When you get a red light, keep, keep your eyes forward and see if you can see what the people around you are doing. You'll be amazed at what you see. People eating food, people eating cereal, <laughs> people uh, putting on makeup, grooming. Most of the time you'll see them on their phones, which by the way, last year, the month of April, 400,000, 400,000 collisions, accidents in the car were due to drivers on their phone. Okay, divide that into 31 days, 30 days or whatever. That's almost 14,000 a day. I mean, that's a big number. Put down the phone. Stop being distracted. Focus on your driving. See if you can see the things around you. Somebody is running on the sidewalk next to you. What color were their shoes? Somebody's on a bike. Walking a dog, what color was the leash? What kind of dog was it? I mean, you can begin to play these games. Start to start to see if you can memorize license plates. I do this with my grandkids. We walk in a store and I'll say, hey, there's, don't look, but there's a truck over there. What color is it? Make a game out of it. But this is starting to open up observation. Where to look, how to look. How do we look? Okay, we're going to get into that here in just a second. Hear me when I say this. Everybody sees. Everybody sees. But few of us observe. We all hear things. Few of us listen. Jesus asked this question of the Pharisees all the time. Haven't you read? He knew the answer. Of course they've read. Most of those guys had the, the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, had it memorized. They knew it inside and out. So when he asked the question, he's like, haven't you read? Of course they read. The problem was they didn't observe. They just glanced over it. And we approach our lives like that we don't really listen to people anymore you can always tell somebody who doesn't listen because they can't wait to get their opinion in this person isn't listening to what you're saying they're listening for the pause for the moment that they can you know yeah but but this yeah but, but we're here and they just got to talk and share their experience you can't lead Unless you're a good follower, you can't teach unless you're a good student. There's people in our self-defense classes and even instructors that when they come and take your class, they're the worst students out there. And listen, I don't care if you're, you know, six levels above me, be a good student. Because you, if you're not a good student, you're, you can't be a good teacher. But those people, they've always got to inject their opinion, their scenario, their story, their experience. Have you ever observed that? And I say this not because, you know, I've got it figured out, but I'm saying this because I've got to listen to this myself because sometimes I'll do that. But I can only do that if I'm, I'm an observer of myself. So, so what do you see? All right, let's get into, well, before we get into some of the how-to application of this stuff, let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of dealing with unreliable heating and electrical services? Well, look no further. ARC Electric Heating and Cooling is here to provide you with the best service in Colorado. Our highly trained technicians use state-of-the-art technology to ensure that your heating, cooling, and electrical systems are running smoothly. And with our commitment to affordability, you can trust that you'll get the best value for your money. We service the Denver Metro, Castle Rock, Castle Pines, Littleton, Centennial, Highlands Ranch, and Parker areas. So why wait? Call ARC Electric Heating and Cooling today and experience the peace of mind 
that comes with knowing that your heating, electric, and cooling systems are in good hands. Call us today at 303-656-3689. That's 303-656-3689. Arc Electric Heating and Cooling, where comfort and safety comes first. Are you tired of using the same old workout equipment? Well, it's time to switch it up and try something new. Introducing B3 BFR Bands, the revolutionary way to maximize your workout potential. With B3 BFR Bands, you will experience increased muscle activation with quicker time to fatigue and a natural release of human growth hormone. These bands are easy to use and can be incorporated into any workout routine. So what are you waiting for? Take your workouts to the next level with B3 BFR Bands. Order now by clicking on the link below. B3 BFR Bands, the future of fitness. All right, welcome back. And yes, Arc Electric Heating and Cooling, anybody in the Denver metro area needs. If you need help, we are your service specialist. Give us a call, 303-656-3689. And also check us out on the web at ARC EHC. And that is spelled A-R-K-E-H-C dot com. Also check out the B3 bands. Great way to get in that physical activity, especially if you're injured, hurt, still working through those things. You can, you can duplicate that high intensity workout on lower weights. Very, very, very important. And listen, go back to the podcast with Clint and get a little bit of science behind those B3 bands as well. And this Sunday being Easter Sunday, if you don't have a church home, check us out online or on Facebook at suncountrycc.com. That's suncountry, S-O-N, countrycc.com, where I am the pastor and a lot of these things we talk about here on Created to Be, we also use through the Word of God on a Sunday teaching. So check it out. Um, all right, so how do we do this? Kind of set the stage with this. Kind of um, hopefully, hopefully got you asking that question, what do I see? Okay, I see I'm here. I see I'm complacent. I see I whatever got these excuses in my life. What do I do about it? The first thing you have to do is what I call Silence the noise. Quiet the noise. Okay? What is the noise? The noise is the opinions that are out there. The noise is all those audible distractions that we have. Every one of us, every single one of us, will view life from a filter. We don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. That means that we're viewing things through a filter. These are established through our childhood, through the family, through the culture that we grew up in. Uh, us being Americans, if you're in America, we are looking at life through the American filter. Somebody in other parts of the country are viewing their world through that culture. We also then view it through our family culture. If we grew up in a Christian family or whatever the family culture was, whatever the ideas, the teachings, the, the atmosphere of our family, we will start to grow up and view things through those filters. If you have a favorite news channel, and I don't care what it is, right, Fox, CNN, NBC, BBC, whatever it is, and if you constantly listen to it, that is the filter you are receiving your information from. Even into Bible commentaries. Bible commentaries, you're reading it through that person's opinion. Some people will put more emphasis, more clout on a commentary than they will the Word of God. If you listen to a teacher, including me, Right? You may begin to view life through that filter. So we have to quiet the noise. We have to turn all of that off in order to be a true observer. Because if not, then I'm viewing it through those lens. And if I view it through those lenses, then I might miss something. Most of you guys know that I spent eight years of my life as a professional full-time magician, meaning 
right? There's a whole people. There's a whole line of people out there. What's a professional magician? What's not? I learned. I earned my living doing shows. Okay, that's how I paid my bills. That's how I ate. That's how I clothed my family. Was through uh, performing shows. So I was a full-time professional magician. Wasn't a hobbyist. Not that there's anything wrong with a hobbyist, <laughs> right? I swear, you got to watch what you say anymore because people just, they view it through those lenses, right? So one of the things we did, the secret to magic is misdirection. Look what's in my right hand as my left hand does something else. Look over here as I do something else. It's, it's refocusing your attention off of what I want your focus to be off of. Uh, I didn't come out correctly, but I'm re I'm diverting your attention so that I can do something else. This happens by the way, all the time in the political world, even your kids will still, will do it to you unconsciously. They'll, they'll, they got in trouble. And the first thing they do is they'll tell you what something that good that they did so that you're focused on that. You're not focused on what they did wrong. Um, it happens through whatever news outlet you're listening to. It can happen through whatever church you're going through, whatever denomination you're going through. It happens everywhere. You must understand that. That I'm going to say, hey, look, here's what's in my right hand so you don't see what's in my left. I'm taking your attention. Did you know that was the purpose of the pardoning of the turkey on Thanksgiving at the White House? That was a distraction to get everybody's focus off of the current events, okay, of what was going on, to divert the attention off of the hot topic. And it works all the time, right? And we see that within today's news. Whatever slant they're coming from, whether they're right or left, whatever, that's the way they're going to spin it. That's the way they're going to do it. You must understand that. If you go to a certain denomination church, all of their teachings is going to be spun through that doctrine, through those what we call distinctives. That's what sets you apart from everywhere else. We at our church, our teaching, our filter is the word of God. In fact, I have a, <laughs> I have a subconscious visual picture the church, not so subconscious because I tell everybody about it, but in front of the pulpit, we have a huge Bible that's opened up and it is in front of me. That is painting the picture that I don't stand in front of God's word, right? I'm not more important to stand in front. I stand behind God's word. That is a visual picture of what we do at our church. Now, as I teach and I give my opinion on certain topics, guess what, gang? It's going through my filter, my lens. And that's why Acts 17.11 is so important. Receive the word with all readiness, and then you go search the scripture for what is so. You can't ever get to heaven. And, and you start to have a conversation with God and say, well, but God, it was because of that book you, I read or because that pastor said this. He's going to say, well, wait a second. You had the ability. <laughs> what did you see? Right? He's going to ask you that question. What, what do you see? What, why didn't you observe? Why, why did you, you know, give your whole trust to that, of your faith through that person? Nope, doesn't work that way. So we have to quiet the noise. Shut all those things off. Stop listening and looking through those filters. And that's a hard thing to do. I don't want to be so convinced in my mind that something is something because I can't observe. If I'm so convinced in my mind that an apple is an orange, and no matter what you say, I'm saying, nope, that's an orange. That's an orange. And you're like, yeah, but it's an apple. Look, I can cut it open. Look, it smell. Nope, that's an orange. If I'm so convinced in my own mind that that's an orange, I'll never see that as an apple. That's quieting the noise. We do that externally and we do that internally. Externally, we stop shutting things off. Right? We stop viewing everything through one particular lens. We got to stop that. We got to be balanced on our approach. 
And we got to stop taking what we hear through whatever one source as the absolute truth. Then we have to quiet the noise inside. What's the noise inside? All of those things that we grew up with. All of those cultural experiences that we are, um, that we, that we come with, right? You know, people view life in America very different than they view life in China. Very different than someone would view life in Africa. And we have to get rid of those things. We have to quiet that noise. And this is why I like running so much. I hate running. I, physically, I hate it. Worst thing in the world, right? Run? I'm not a cheetah. I'm not a horse. I'm not going to run. Running for me is a way that I can quiet the noise, shut everything off. And then I start to learn to listen inside. How's my breathing? One thing I really like about Sistema is it forces you to take a look inside, right? Is there tightness in my body? Am I holding something? I'm doing that check. We can do a whole workout an hour long. Did I just say workout? See, I violated my own rules. I can do an hour training <laughs> on just getting up from the ground. Spend an hour on it. And every time I feel tension, no, nope, reset. See if I can get up again without that tension. Crazy. That's quieting the noise. You have to do that. Quiet the noise. There's a thing out there called the OODA loop. It's becoming pretty popular now because a couple of people have mentioned it out there. And now everybody's jumping on the OODA loop bandwagon. But what is it? First step in the OODA loop is observe. See what's going on. And then the next one is orient. So i got to orient myself. Okay, so what does that mean? As I'm observing, and now i got to see where do I stand in the situation. Okay, I'm going to orient my situation. So let's say I am out in nature. And there's a hill in front of me. First step, I got to observe that hill. What's there? Is there a path? Is there a bunch of rocks? Is there snow? Is there mud? Is there a bunch of trees? I got to take it all in. I got to look. And then I got to look at myself. I got to orient myself, right? What do I have? Do I have the proper shoes? Do I, what gear do I have? Am I able to do this? Have I done something like this in the past, right? Then I decide. Then I make a decision. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. But then after the decision, the final step is I have to take action. I have to take action. I have to move. I have to do something. If I never move past the D into action, all of what I've done has been useless. But I can't take action unless I've made the decision and unless I've oriented myself into that scenario. And that only comes from the right observation. If I don't spend time observing, I might miss something. And then when I come comes to action, if I didn't observe that and make the appropriate decision, okay, I find myself in trouble. Don't spend so much time in the observation and don't so spend so much time in the orientation process, orienting myself, and don't spend so much time in the decision process and then get to action. So in a self-defense scenario, you don't have much time. You don't have much time. Sometimes we'll set up scenarios where you got to decide threat, no threat, or an attack. There's a difference between no threat, between threat, and between attack. And you have to decide these, and you have to train all of them, right? So, so my eyes are closed. Somebody calls my name. I got to open my eyes. I got to observe what's going on. Then I got to orient myself. Where am I at in the situation? How far is that person away? After I observe, maybe I maybe they're holding a knife to their chest, and I got I observed that. Now I got to orient myself. Okay, where am I at? How far away from I am I from them? Is there a way of escape? Do I have room to back up? Go to my right? Go to my left? What's going on here? 
then after I take all that in, then I make a decision. Okay, I'm going to go for that door or I'm going to kick this person or I'm going to do whatever it may be. Then I act. And sometimes that has to happen in seconds. In seconds. Somebody can clear a 20-foot distance in two seconds on foot. 20 feet. How fast can you react in 20 seconds? If you're in the reaction state, okay, you're in trouble. So you got to be proactive, not reactive. Anyway, that's the OODA loop. And that all comes from observing. The first step in observing is quieting the noise. Then, step two in the art of observation is I want you to start looking where no one else is looking. Concealment is key. If you want to catch a magician and you want to find out his trick, look where nowhere else, no one else is looking. Everybody look at my left hand. You look at his right, and you'll see it. You know, it was, I have no, I never did master the art of ventriloquism, but it was hysterical because as I got that puppet moving and I had lots of animation and movement with that puppet, I would talk with my mouth just like I'm talking to you normally. And I'd have people come up to me after the show and be like, man, you're the greatest ventriloquist we'd ever seen. Never saw your mouth move once. You know why? Because they weren't looking at it. They were looking at the puppet. My mouth was going crazy. Look where nowhere else is looking. So as we, as we bring this to a close, we'll continue to develop this. I don't want to overwhelm this because we, this, listen, people spend careers on this stuff. Doctrinal studies. You can spend years and years all the way down into the micro expressions of people. But listen, we'll continue to develop it. But for right now, the takeaway for you, quiet the noise so that you can properly observe. Orient yourself, make a decision, take action. And look where no one else is looking. Huge key. This will take you from what I call shallow waters to deep waters. Right? You'll start to see things beyond the surface in many different layers. Play those games. See if you can observe what's going around going on around you without looking while you're driving. Shut off the radio, turn everything off, look forward. As you're driving, see if out of your peripheral vision you can see landscape, clouds, what does that cloud look like? Car drives by you, what color is that car? You can even narrow it down to what was the license plate? What bumper stickers do they have? This is just now practicing quieting the noise and observing your surroundings, looking where no one else is looking. I guarantee you nobody else is looking for these things. And then you'll start to see it. As we continue to grow on this, we'll be able to answer that question that the Lord asks Jeremiah, Amos, Zechariah, Ezekiel, Hosea. He says, hey, what do you, what do you see? And then we can be like, ah, I see this. Because G.I. <laughs> <G>. Joe, <laughs> greatest American hero, what, did he, what was the saying in every single show, right? Knowing is half the battle. Okay, I mean, that's it. I can eliminate fear by knowing what's going on. You see, in the threefold strong created to be, we have a concept of creating sustainability, self-reliance. Now, listen to me carefully. When I say self-reliance, I mean that you're not dependent upon a book, a resource, a teacher, right? That you become self-sufficient in these things. Remember the last podcast, and if you hadn't listened to it, I know there's some challenging stuff in there, but go back and listen to it because whatever you put in your brain, no one can take away from you. Can I 
self-sustain myself? Or am I relying upon Google, this chat thing? Well, I don't even know what it's called. I don't even really care, right? Um, a teacher, right? Or even a book. I want to get to the point. Why am I doing Bible memorization? I'm doing it because it's helping me in the art of observation, but it's also I'm not dependent upon a physical book. So many times in the Bible it says, hide the word of God inside you, right? I've hidden it inside of me so that I may not sin against you, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet, but yet we don't know it. We, 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 we've grown comfortable in the fact that, hey, I've got my phone. I'll just Google that. Well, you're going through a filter. You're going through a lens. You're going through somebody else's opinion. Uh, I, have, I have my Bible on my phone. What if your phone breaks? What if, what if they declare the Bible illegal? Which, by the way, there's a war on the Bible. Okay? They're already starting to take it out of schools, declare it as um, a threatening book. What if they de deem it unlawful and they take all the Bibles away? What are you going to do? Well, if it's in your heart, if it's in your head, you're self-sufficient. How can I take care of my body without the, the, the need of a doctor, without the need of a, the, the government? Can I do that? Now, understand, right? Understand that you're never going to be a surgeon on yourself, okay? Hear me when I say this. But can I take care of my body? Do I really need the government? Do I really? What if I, what if I get hurt in the middle of nowhere and there's no doctor available? Can I help myself? These are the things we're all about. Continue with us, and we'll continue to cover all these topics. Reach out to me on Facebook if you have something you'd like to talk about, like to discuss. Take your questions. That'd be great. But until then, quiet the noise and look where nowhere else is looking. We'll see you next time. <laughs>